The Lord is kind to us. He's faithful to us. He never fails us. Never, ever. He never, ever fails you. No matter what you think, you may think God has failed me. just want to speak to that for a moment. The Lord has not failed you. Whoever you are, God has failed me. I thought God would do this and God would do that, and I don't know where God was. Sometimes the devil makes us been preaching a lot about that in the last months, about just the way we see this earth and see our lives. We need to see through God's eyes, but the devil has a way, and your mind has a way of making this life and making the things that you go through, they seem like God's on vacation sometimes. Am I the only one? I'm not saying I stay there. I let those thoughts, you know, they come and they go. It's like a bird flying over. I won't make a nest. For, he's not nesting in my mind. But those thoughts, they come. I need to let them go. But they come, don't they? And we just need to know that God is in control. God is in control. He had a plan and a purpose before the world began. Before sin even entered the world, Jesus, Jesus was already ready to come and pay the price for that sin. Only God can think like that. And God is outside of the circle of time and space. And he sees it all at once. The Bible says that he sees the end from the beginning. Do you believe it? Do you really believe that God knows what he's doing? I think sometimes we say we do. We say we believe him. We say we trust him. But as the saying goes, talk is cheap. <laughs> it's really, how do you know if you really trust him is, are you talking, well, God's, you know, God's got this. You know, I, I know this, this, and that, but God's got it, and God's going to come through. Or are, you, or are you saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen. <laughs> Hey, I'm looking at myself too. I'm not pointing my fingers. If I was pointing my finger, look, there's another old saying, I got three pointing back at me. We need to trust him. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And uh, his word is so good, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that God has preserved his word for us? God preserved his word for us. And so many times we have gone through something and we didn't need to go through it. You know that sometimes you didn't need to go through that? <laughs> sometimes you do. But sometimes you didn't need to. The truth was in the Word. Who loves when you've been going through something and then you find it in the Word and you go, wow. And then somehow, miraculously, once you found that truth in the Word, it was over. And you wish you had gone looking for the answer in His Word a lot sooner. But the, the everyday, you know, the stuff that was burdening you and stressing you out or in the trial doesn't necessarily leave. That's not what leaves. But your heart that was letting that burden inside you, the trial that was letting those weights come upon you, those leave. The actual thing that you need to do doesn't leave, but the strength that you needed to get through it comes through his word. We need to be a people of his word. 
I said last week, from cover to cover. We need to believe this thing from cover to cover, and it won't be the last time you hear me say that. Hopefully you hear your pastor say that often, that he believes in the Bible <laughs> from cover to cover. We need to believe every word. It's all a picture of God's love and his grace and his mercy, isn't it? All of it. And we need, we need, we need, we need his word. Man, I just, I can't stress it enough. I feel like inside of me, I want to, I wish to you guys, you guys are family, this is church, but I wish that the world, you know, they don't understand a believer and that's okay because I didn't understand Jesus, but I just, I pray, man, my biggest prayer right now is that I pray that they would see the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus coming out of us. And I am convinced you need to spend time with him. You need to spend time worshiping him, spend time in the church, spend time with believers. All of those things are sharpening and honing, but there is nothing, there is no comparison to any of that than time in his word. At the end of the day, that is the most important thing that you need to be putting in you. Because when you come to another believer and we come to gather together, we help refine each other and sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron, right? But what are we sharpening each other with? Our opinions? I don't need your opinion to sharpen me, and you don't need mine either. I'm not just looking at you. You don't need my opinion from up here. I should be sharpening you with the word. And then you can say, hey, pastor, what about this in the word? Not this is what the world says. Don't come to me with that. <laughs> You could say, this is what the world says, but this is what the word says, and I'll listen. <laughs> we need his word, and I'm convinced that that's the more word that's in you, guess what's going to be coming out of you? It's just common sense. If I take a, a glass and I pour a whole bunch of water in, we start getting towards the top, what's going to start coming out of the top? Oil? Water, because that's what I put in there. And you want word to come out of you, you want love and mercy and grace to come out of you, just keep putting it in you and in you and in you and in you. And that's what I was starting to say last week. And I just want to continue on that vein and get right into his word. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, we are believers, we are word people, we are Christians. So Ephesians is talking to the church. It was not talking to the world. Everybody say, he's talking to the church. And that's me. He's talking to us. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Ephesians 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority. In other words, I'm writing this, but this is what the Lord told me to say to you. And this is what the Lord has given me in authority to say some things that need to be said. Sometimes some things need to be said, church. Sometimes some things need to be said to the church. Why is it, wow, wow, I'm about to go off on a Holy Spirit rant. Why is it that we believe as Christians that we have the right to go to someone in the world and shake their truth and tell them about Jesus? Let me bring the truth to you and shake your truth. But as soon as you come in these doors, you say yes to Jesus Christ, nobody has the right to tell you anything. Come on. Wow, it got real quiet fast. There's a saying in church, which was not from God, it's from the devil. God's got my number. 
if God's got my number, then why did he need somebody from a church, a different church, somebody who was already a Christian to come to each of us and witness to us if God's got our number? I'm not opposed to the, to the saying, God can talk to you direct, but God has put us together and he has put his word in each of us. He has put the word in his church on purpose to be spoken, to be a sharpening, to be a refining. We should not be afraid to open the word and speak the truth. We don't go in judgment, right? If you got something to say to somebody from the word, then usually I bring that to the Lord for a very long time first. In my case, I don't have as much liberty to do that because I got to get up next Sunday. But if I've got something to say to you and I feel like it was the Lord that I'm going to really bring it before him and do some fasting and praying first. I don't know exactly who that was for, but that was for some of you today. That was the Holy Spirit. We need to be open to his word. And when, when the word is spoken, we need to do exactly the opposite of what the devil caused us to do before we opened our hearts and opened our minds to the Lord. What did we do? We were closed-minded. That's what these verses say. We were We were closed. We were closed. We were closed off. We were shut off. I don't want to hear your truth. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Then one day it started like a hammer, started breaking that rock down, and all of a sudden we did want to hear it. We need to keep hearing it till the very end. Amen? We need to keep, we need to let the Lord speak truth, and the very first time it was irritating to you. It never stops being irritating, not to your spirit. To your spirit, it's soothing. It's peace, and it's joy, and it's hope, and it's life. But to your flesh, it's irritating. And it's supposed to. The word is not supposed to comfort your flesh. It's supposed to irritate your flesh so that it does what? Gets it out of you. We don't want to cover it. It's okay. It's okay, brother. It's okay. You just keep that right there. No, I, I need to speak the truth so you go, wow, that really irritated me, man. And then you make the choice to be spirit, we said last week, or flesh. You could choose to listen to the angel on this <laughs> shoulder or the devil on this one. It says, did you hear what he said to you? Or the angel that says, you should listen to what he said to you. Wow. Lord's good, isn't he? Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're good. You're good, Lord. It says, live no longer as the Gentiles do. So he's about to tell the church, the church, not the world. He's about to tell the church, there's a way that I want you to live. And he says, no longer as the Gentiles do. Who's a Gentile, right? I think most of us know, but for those that don't, the Gentile is... Today, as we look at the word back then, when he's speaking, it's, you know, it was, there was Jew and Gentile, but really when we read it today, future tense, Gentile is really someone out in the world, just somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet. So when we say the Gentiles, we're just saying those that don't know Jesus. So don't live like those that don't know Jesus, for they are hopelessly confused. We know that. We don't put that on the world. We're not judging the world like that. We don't hate the world. We love them. We just know you're confused. They don't like when we say that, but we're not saying it in pride. Just saying you just don't have the truth yet. It goes on to say, verse 18, their minds, remember, let's, let's re rewind just for a second. 
I'm telling you, live no longer as the Gentiles do. What do they do? They're confused and there. Who? Those that don't know Jesus. Those that don't know Jesus, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. The world closes their minds and hardens their hearts. The world says, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear. And he's, he's telling the church. Why does he need to tell the church about something that they already know? Why would he take the time to write this letter and tell the church who's already has their mind open and their eyes open unless he was saying, listen, I need to warn you. That'll try to creep back in. I already know Jesus, so why are you telling me about what I already know? About I already know him and I already know how I used to think. But he says, he said they hardened their hearts and it says, verse 21, since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth. Remember, we heard it, and then we learned it. Remember, I was starting to say last week, you can have an awareness of the truth, but then the truth needs to get in you and start changing it. You start learning the truth, right? It start, you heard it, then you start learning it, and then it starts changing you. Verse 22, let's read this out loud. Throw off. One more time. Ready? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Why did he take the time to write to the church who already has Jesus to do something that Jesus already did? Why? I think, I'm not going to use my opinion, let me say what I think, let me use the word, if he said that we need to do something as the church, then that means that there is the potential that that closed mind, closed heart, and old nature and former way of lust and deception can creep back in to every one of us and any one of us. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, It actually says it very strongly. Colossians 3, verse 5, so put to death. Again, Colossians 3 is talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. These are people that have already found Christ. And he's telling us to do something because Jesus is not a happy meal. He's not a drive-through. Jesus is a lifestyle. It's an everyday every moment. And when we read, when they tell us in the word of our old way and earthly things and our former ways, and we're going to read that again here in Colossians 3, why would he bring up what you've already conquered unless he was warning you that those things are, he's sensing, because he's watching over this church, and he's sensing that those things are starting to creep back in. And they can't. They cannot get back into you. Do not let those things back in. They're going to try. Who is like me and has seen that those things try. Anybody else like me? (laughs) Those things are going to try. They're going to try. We should not be surprised, though, because God called his own people. (laughs) You ready? This is God's favorite term for his own people. Remember my precious lambs? No, he said, you stubborn and stiff-necked people. 
Not that he didn't, he's stubborn and stiff-necked, and yet he still sent Christ. So it's not with lack of love, right? Jesus still came for that. But he's aware. He's aware. And then with the authority of God, and with the authority of God, so were these words penned down that that, you're still the same person. Jesus now has given you the way. He's shown you the way and he's given you the ability. And we're going to look at the spirit has been given to you. You have advantages that they didn't have, but the stubborn and the stiff-necked is still possible to get back to you if you don't continue to walk with Jesus. Just because you found Jesus. Remember, I was thinking about this story this week, how the 10 lepers, Jesus heals 10 lepers and yet only one comes back to Jesus doesn't force us we find him and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you he loves you till the very last second but we have to keep walking with him the current is so strong i've used that analogy before i'm going to use it again who's been in a strong current before anybody ever been you know in the ocean or in a, in a, in a stream it's really noticeable because the ocean you know, it's so big and wide, you don't even notice, or right? you kind of get lost in it. But a stream is heading in a direction, and then, you know, you were, were, you were over there. When you entered the stream, now you're way down here. It's so strong that the moment you stop being proactive about your faith, the current is just pushing so hard, harder than ever. You have to be serious. And I'm not, listen, he said, I'm he takes the time to write to them because of love, and that's what these words are, because of love. We cannot be lackadaisical Christians. We have to be steadfast. We don't use that word. That's an archaic word, right, today. We need to go back to the word. Steadfast. Jesus said he set himself like flint, and we are following Jesus in his ways. We're set like you, Lord. We have a purpose. We cannot get mixed like soldiers don't get mixed into the affairs of this world. We cannot afford to either. Because it says here in Colossians, it says that earthly things are lurking. I love that how NLT, the NLT uses that word there. It's lurking within you. It doesn't have to control you. Everybody say it out loud. It doesn't have to, doesn't have to. control me. But it's lurking right? It's there. We're all aware that it's there, and it gets less and less loud, doesn't it? The longer you walk with Christ, the more you let Jesus help you. Come on, let's say that again. We need to let Jesus help us. <laughs> He's there to help you. The Holy Spirit is there. Jeannie, uh, if you go back two weeks ago and listen to the Tuesday night Bible study, the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses. He's there to help you. We need to let him help us walk it out. He didn't ask us to do something that we are not capable of doing. Just said that verse this morning, just in conversations, not here in my notes, but we were just talking that 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? He's not gonna ask you to do something that he doesn't already have a way for you to do it, the ability, the strength, and that other, everybody else isn't also facing. We're all in the same thing. We all have the same things around us, but we can all, through Christ, we can all, Every single person, every single person can conquer. It's a different vice for every person, but every single person can conquer 
the vice, whatever that thing is that you or the devil has been putting around your life, allowing around your life, can be conquered through Jesus Christ. And I think we get rid of the extremes. We get rid of the murder and we get rid of the adultery pretty easily as Christians. But then the things like bitterness down in here and jealousies and envies and strife, that stuff is a little bit deeper. Those roots, they start to wind themselves around you and they take a little more work to get out of you. The Holy Spirit is faithful though and he will finish what he started. And it says these things are lurking within you why would he tell the church to have nothing to do with something that they should have no desire to do with? Why is he writing to the church, telling the church have nothing to do with this, unless it was something he started noticing was creeping in? Just like it's creeping into the church today. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. And you could go on, there's lists, you know, there are lists in the New Testament. We're freed from the law, and yet there's still lists. Why are there lists? I thought we were freed from the law. You are, you're freed from the letter of the law. The law didn't change, it's just not, you don't need to go look at a list to know that that's wrong. The Holy Spirit's telling you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that don't do that. It didn't change whether it was right or wrong. It just means I don't need to go look at a piece of stone to know if it's right or wrong anymore. Because the Bible says, I'll give you a new heart and I'm going to write my laws on your heart. Why would he write a law that was abolished on my heart? Unless we just don't understand what that means, freed from the law. We think freed from the law means you could do whatever you want. Police officer says, I'm going to let you off the hook today. No speeding ticket. Get back in your car, do 90 and a 50. I just freed you from the law. I didn't say that you don't have to obey it. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second, Pastor. What are you talking about? He's warning us that these things will try to creep in. They're going to lurk. They're lurking around the church and lurking even in the church. And if you're not diligent, why would he spend the time? Why would the Lord send me to this little church? And I love you all, by the way. And so does Jesus. Jesus loves you more than I do. <laughs> but I love you too. Because he wants us to be so sharp. We have to be sharp. You're not sharp, this stuff will creep right back in. It says, verse 6, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse 7, you used, come on everybody say out loud, I used to. That means past tense, by the way. Past tense. You used to do these things when your life was, was, past tense, still part of this world. But now, everybody say, but now. But now. now is the time. And it's now is the time more than ever. If it wasn't the time last Sunday, it's the time this Sunday. Come on, church. Now's the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Now's the time. Why is the time now? He says, verse 9, for you have stripped off. Come on. Because something has happened. Jesus did something in you and he stripped off an old nature. Why is he warning us, though, of things in our old nature still in us? if it wasn't possible to get back into them. There's a large part of Christianity that believes that, that there is no such thing as sin after Christ. 
because Jesus paid the price on the cross. Yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, he did, as long as you let him do it. He didn't make me do it the first time. Whoa. He never made me say yes to him. I said yes. His offer was there free. Didn't cost me anything, but I said yes. And now he says, I want this thing out of your life. And you go, well, I can't give you my dirty language, Lord. That's mine. He says, but you stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. You stripped it off. And he says something, and I want to really pound this home for, our, for the next minutes. Verse 10, it says, put on. Everybody say it out loud. Put on. There's something proactive. Why do I have to do? What do you mean, put on? I thought Jesus did it. Yes, Jesus showed us the way. Am I too, being too sharp today? All right, I'll go back here and sharpen it a little more then. <laughs> if it's not too sharp, it's not sharp enough. <laughs> he said, put on your new nature. I preached on this sometime in the last year. It's the word called koinonia. And I love that word. I just, I knew the, the partnership. I knew it in English and I found it in the Greek and it's just something special. This koinonia, this partnership with Christ. We become partners with him. We partner with him to the cross and we partner with him into resurrection. Into freedom, into peace, into joy, into the life and into, and into everything else that Jesus had. Then Jesus, in the partnership with him, he just, Jesus didn't have to struggle to speak the truth. Jesus didn't struggle with this earth. He didn't even let the wind and waves bother him. <laughs> and we have partnership with him. Well, we got to be active. Everybody say it again. I need to be active. I need to put on my new nature and be re nude. Really, a better translation here should be constantly put on your new nature and constantly be renewed. Be renewed. Renewed. And it says, as you learn to know your creator and become, become, not became. He did something for you. You accept it. And then something starts to happen inside of you, which causes you to do something for him. And this spiritual supernatural change starts happening in your flesh. It starts coming off. It starts getting, come on, let's look at the picture of Christ. It starts getting ripped off of you. Jesus was beaten till he was not recognizable anymore. I don't know who that is anymore. I don't know who you are anymore. It got stripped and beaten off of him. And that's what it feels like when the flesh is getting dealt with, doesn't it? That's okay. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let the goat and don't stop. Let him finish it. Let him put the nails. Like Colossians 3 said, let him put the nails in that flesh and be put to death and let that thing be done and gone from you. Let it be gone. Don't let it hang any longer. Come on. I never thought of this scripture this way. I, I always thought of this scripture in a saved context, but it says you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. 
And I've always looked at that as like what God's doing now, you know, what he's doing today. You can't put it in the old format. And then I, just today, just revelation. You can't put Jesus into flesh. It doesn't work. Jesus is the new wine. He is it. Take, come on, he gave us a picture. If, we're, if you want to be, <laughs> he's like, everything in the Bible explains itself. Like last week, Ephesians, uh, uh, Hebrews 4.12 is talking about itself in itself. You want to know what the wine is? Let's go find it. So there's a glossary, there's a dictionary, there's a, there's a thesaurus, try to say that fast, inside of that book. He is the wine. It's his blood. You want to get washed, you want to be born again and washed by his blood, you cannot put it into an old flesh because what does it do? It bursts. It destroys so what I want to do is, instead of getting Christ, and then when pressures come and time comes, right? So what happens? Actually, the pressure of the new wine on an old thing. If you try to be old with the new, it's going to create its pressure. That new wine's expanding. Jesus is trying to do something in you, and you're not willing because you're still old, and you're gone. Who has seen that? Unfortunately, it's incredibly sad. That's not... Just, to, I'm not saying that just to make a point. You can write, you, so you can write that down. Oh yeah, point. And I mean, that's incredibly sad. Incredibly heartbreaking to have seen someone come to Christ, but wouldn't let go of their old self and it burst them. But instead, you have to become new. Put off your old, put on a new nature, and then I'll pour into you. Because remember, Jesus, let's look at the steps. Jesus comes and he finds the disciples and they choose him, goes to the cross and finishes them for them. And then he said, it's not finished yet though. My job is finished on the cross, but it's not finished yet. Now I want you to wait. Why wait if it was finished? Well, your salvation is finished, but there's more now. Now you're made new and I want to pour into you. So now you can pour out into this world. We need to be new so that when he pours into us, we can take it. We ask for the glory of God to fall, the fire of God to fall. We want his presence here. No, you don't if you're still in your flesh. Because what happened when the spirit of God fell on the most holy of holies and you got flesh in that room? Remember, <laughs> who's heard this, who's heard, who knows the, the history of what would happen? They tied a rope around his ankle, the high priest, and he went into that room just in case he had some sin that no one else was aware of that he was trying to hide. God's going to see it, and bam, the presence of God just kills him. Thank God for the blood of Jesus and the grace and the mercy, right? Gives us some room. He doesn't look at it and go, it's okay. Don't worry about that because of my blood. But he says, I'm not going to kill you. Come on. I'm not going to kill you. Let's work on that and get that thing out of you. We go, oh, well, thank God for his grace. I'll just do it again. No, we don't. We don't say that. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. I have a lot of things I wanted to say. There's uh, so much in his word, isn't it? It says in Romans 12 to, actually, let's finish here in Ephesians. Let's go back. So we've thrown it off. We've stripped it off. In Ephesians 4, verse 23, right? We've gotten rid of all of that, and it says, instead, instead, 
Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Why would he say that? He just paid a price for them, went to the cross. for. He's going about to go to the cross for them, rather. Why would he say that? Because the Holy Spirit, he promises, and I just don't have the time, but you can go and read it, and you can find the Holy Spirit being promised in the book of John, John chapter 8. Uh, he starts talking about the truth and that he's, he's obedient to his Father, asking us to be obedient. In John chapter four, 14, rather, then he tells us to be obedient and to obey his commandments. But he doesn't ask you to do that on your own. He says in John chapter 14, verse 17, the Holy Spirit who leads all into all truth. The Holy Spirit in the world cannot receive him. Now that's key. You have to come to Christ you have to already, the Holy Spirit's already working on you. You just didn't know it. But then you receive it and the Holy Spirit comes in you. He comes in you. You cannot, the world cannot receive and they're not even looking for him. But it says that he comes in you. And it says that anyone, verse 24, who doesn't love me will not obey me. Remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Verse 26, but when the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, right? When he sends it as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you. Come on, say that out loud. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He teaches us everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. The Holy Spirit is not in us. The Lord, he spoke to me one time so sharp a long time ago. This doesn't even exist anymore. But the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm not your PDA. You don't even know what that is anymore. That was before the iPhone. Remember Blackberries? But you know, as your personal, you know, personal something, something assistant, digital assistant, personal digital assistant. You know, you put all your time and okay, Holy Spirit, remind me to do this, this, and that. That's fine. I still say that to the Holy Spirit. Remind me, Holy Spirit. But that's not it. That's not his, that's not all he is. His Holy Spirit's not just to help you to live your life. The Holy Spirit's in there to show you which life to live. Wow, that was good. <laughs> I didn't say it. The Lord just said that. I'm not taking any credit for that. It says that he will teach us. Verse six, uh, uh, John in, in chapter 16, there's a lot in those chapters. I encourage you to go read John from 14 through 17. But in 16, verse 13, it says when the spirit, actually verse 12, it says there's so much I wanna tell you, but you can't bear it now. See, even you can't even take what Jesus wants to tell you without the Holy Spirit putting it into the language that you can hear. And not only that, your flesh, it's so aggressive towards Christ. Come on, we know that. Don't get offended at that. Our flesh is so offended at Jesus. They were offended at him then, so much so that today's Palm Sunday and praise him, Hosanna, right? And then not even five days later, crucify him. Come on, don't tell me that your flesh is not offended at Jesus. My spirit's not offended at him. My flesh is. But I'm going to let him work on that. And that's what he's there to do. He'll work on that. He loves me. He loves you. He's not offended at you. Wow. 
Jesus offends our flesh, but he's not offended that you're offended. <laughs> he's not. He's not. You know what he does when you get offended? Just loves you more. Because to, the most that, to those that offended him most were those that were driving in the nails, right? I mean, who's gonna offend him more than those putting the actual nails in his hand? And, and he says, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Come on. Wow, what an amazing gospel and what an amazing Jesus. I'm not saying that as a line, man. I mean that. What an amazing Jesus. But he warns us. Come on, I want you just to, I want to warn you just as Ephesians warns us. See, it's because the Holy Spirit comes to teach us. The Holy Spirit comes to teach us. The Holy Spirit was given to us to remind us of what Jesus did and how he lived. He's not there to just coach you along on, and to be the best you. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. He'll coach you. But there's so much more. In fact, it says this in Ephesians 4, then finally, we're putting on our new nature, right? We're putting on our new nature. We're rejecting our sin nature, right? That's us. I read the list, but that's not us, right? We're getting rid of all that, Lord. We're putting on our new nature. And then he says in verse 30, he says something so hard. It's so hard to hear, even for my spirit, I can feel the weight of the Holy Spirit when I hear these words. Verse 30 says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Who's he talking to? Are we, is the world bringing sorrow to God? No, believe it or not, as horrible as they do, the Lord it's not bringing sorrow on the Holy Spirit. He loves them, it, it breaks his heart because they don't want to know him. But what really sorrows the Holy Spirit is when the church still is letting sin control your life. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. He's not talking to the world here. This is not a scripture for us to stand out in the street corners. He's talking to us, his church. Remember, he has identified you as his own. So who's he talking to? If there was any confusion, he's confirming it right here. The Holy Spirit's identified you as his own. You, us. God's good, isn't he? He's so good. In Numbers chapter 15, we read about how, I, I, and I just, man, I, I know the word, don't you love when you read something and it surprises you? You felt like you knew it and then you get surprised? I love that. And that keeps happening your whole life. That's why we should keep reading it. And I'm wrapping up, guys. But in Numbers chapter 15, it said something that shocked me so much. Verse 27. If one individual commits an unintentional sin, the guilty person must bring a one-year-old female goat for a sin offering. So Old Testament, right? Commit a sin, there's an offering. Who's the offering New Testament? Jesus Christ. You commit sin, Jesus is on the cross for you. It says the priest in verse 28, he'll take the sacrifice and he'll purify that guilty person before the Lord. Thank you, Lord, and we're forgiven. Verse 29, the same instructions apply to both native born, whether, you came, whether you're a Jew, whether you came in. But verse 30, man, I saw this and it shocked me so much and especially the way the NLT writes this. But those who brazenly violate the Lord's will 
whether native-born Israelites or foreigners, obviously, but those in the camp, not talking to those outside the Jews, whether they were born here or not, these are guys that have identified themselves as God's people. He's talking to God's people. And he said, if they brazenly, they do it willingly, they have blasphemed the Lord and they must be cut off from the community. And it says, verse 30, since they have treated the Lord's word with contempt. What, is the real, what was the issue? The Lord told them what to do and not to do. It's because they treated his word with contempt and they deliberately disobeyed his command. They must be completely cut off and suffer the punishment for their guilt. I don't know why I never knew that. I'd never even heard of, I've never ever in my Christianity, ever, ever, I've read the whole word more than once. I've never, ever heard that there was a group of people that could not be, there was no sacrifice. No sacrifice. It says that those unintentional bring an offering and they're forgiven, but those who know the word and then choose to sin willingly when they know the truth, cut them off, you're gone. Now, I thank the Lord and I thank you, Jesus, that his blood stands in the gap. Some things changed on the cross. He didn't say that's no longer sin, but Jesus, the blood got between God's anger and our sin, not between you. God's not angry at you, angry at you. he's angry at the sin that you commit. It gets in between us. But it says in Hebrews, and this is my last chunk, guys, I'm bringing it to a home right now. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, dear friends, and I love that he says that. Hebrews, you read it, he's telling us the whole gospel story. He's talking to the Jews and how we come to Christ, and he's telling us the whole story. And then we come to chapter 10, verse 26, and he says, dear friends, I love that. First of all, he's trying to soften what he's about to say. Come on, friends. (laughs) Hey, friends, listen, are you still my friend? Is everybody here still my friend? (laughs) If we deliberately continue sinning, so this is post-crossed, this is post-Christ, this is post the blood of Jesus, this is post-Holy Spirit, this is not Deuteronomy. Don't tell me, pastor, you're talking Old Testament, you're talking laws and rules and regulations. Don't tell me, pastor, it's legalistic. Hebrews 10, it says, If we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Because it's already been done. Jesus already paid the price. And then people twist it. Well, that just means, you see, see, do whatever you want because there is no more sacrifice. It's already been done. No, what he's telling us to do is, hey, hey, hey guys. Hello, my only son, by the way, not an animal anymore. Hello, hello, like church. Are you serious now? Are you serious, church? You, you still, like, like, I mean, wow, wow. I, I'm going to just back off because I can start. It's not, it's not even you, God. I'm just talking into to, to church space right now, okay? Can you hear Can you understand me? He said, there's only terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. This is not Deuteronomy. This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses, what we just read, what I just read? Anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think, verse 29, 
Just think, church. Just think, Christians. How much worse the punishment would be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy and as it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Wow. I mean, I sat and prepared this sermon. I'm still struck right now as if I heard it for the first time. Listen, church. The Holy Spirit was given to us. He was given to us. The blood of Jesus was given to us. God, if God could do more, he would do more. There's nothing left to be done. He did it all for us. We have to then choose to let the Holy Spirit... There's, no, there's nothing here whatsoever. You can search it. You can scan it. You can change the translation. You can go to the Greek. You can go to the Hebrew. It's all going to say the same exact thing. What is deliberate sin? It's very simple. I'm following Jesus. Jesus doesn't sin. Right? We can make it just real simple. Ready, children? We're in children's school right now. Following Jesus. Hold on, Jesus, I'm gonna go do my own thing for a little while. Hold on, Jesus, I'm just gonna hold this bitterness. I know you said to forgive no matter what. I'm just gonna, just, you stay there. I gotta hold, I'm gonna just wait here. I know you don't. I know that following you, there's no way that this bitterness is allowed to stay here, but I just, I can't let it go, so I'm just gonna stay right here. Come on, let's stand. Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Jesus, that your blood was shed. And I thank you, Lord, that this church and all that are listening, Lord, out there, we thank you, Lord, that those listening, Lord, we are not those that trample upon your blood and to disdain the Holy Spirit and to bring sorrow to him. But I thank you, Lord, and for all that are listening and to every heart here, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be broken, that be softened, Lord, that you would get down so deep inside of us, Lord, and find even the specks in us, not to be uh, prideful and, and above and to look down on the world or other Christians, but Lord, just because you're holy and you want to make us holy because you are holy. And I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. Lord, you are faithful to go to the cross. You're faithful to forgive us. Lord, your love and your mercy was there before we even sinned and you loved us anyway. Even though you knew we would even hear it and reject it time and time again, Lord, you still loved us. And I pray that it's that love, Lord, not the fear of hell, not the fear of punishment, but it's that love, it's the price that you paid, that that would get inside of us and cause us to say, I don't want this junk in me anymore. And I thank you, Lord. Lastly, thank you, Lord, that you don't even expect us to do that on our own. All you want us to do is say, Lord, I give up. Lord, I surrender. And I keep surrendering. And every time you come to me and say, get that out of your life, you know better. I thank you, Lord, that we're quick to give it to you. And I thank you, Lord. We are, we are so willing, Holy Spirit, for you to move in us, Lord. And get us done, Lord, so that some good can come out of us before we're finished here on this earth, Lord. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.